Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 251. Well, we're continuing our podcast about officers and leaders and servants in the church. And we've talked about the role of leadership with the elder, the presbyteros, with the overseer, the episkopos, and the poimano, the shepherd. We've looked at all of the different concepts that are wrapped up in those in that one office of leadership. But this is a different kind of leader that we're looking at. It is a leader that has to do with assistance. It has to do with serving others and assisting others, especially those who do not have what they need and those who need a special kind of assistance, those that perhaps are disgruntled and need help and understanding and mercy. This came about early in the life and ministry of the early and primitive church. You recall in Acts chapter 2, the church of Jesus was born. Ten days after the Lord Jesus had ascended to heaven, the promise that he gave, the Father sent the Holy Spirit, another alas, another comforter of the same kind of Jesus that would not be with them, that is Emmanuel, God with us, but would be in them, the parakletos, one that's called alongside, one that uh, comforts and encourages. That's his name, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, all of that. Well, you say, well, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Well, that's exactly what it is. The Holy Spirit is, for all practical purposes, Christ in us. And uh, yes, God the Father, Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all one, yet three distinct persons. Now, you go figure that out, and you come back and tell us all about it, because our little brains, and as finite as we are, cannot understand infinity. And whatever analogy you come up with, it'll break down sooner or later, because this is a divine analogy, not one that can be likened unto earthly things. And so we can only go so far with that. But the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and the church of Jesus was born. For the first eight years or so, it was only Jewish people, but Gentiles came in, those who were non-Jews, and this was one of the great mysteries that God would take Jew and Gentile hand in hand, right and left hand, left and right hand, and they would form one body, and that one body would bring honor and glory to God, just as the Jewish people had, just as the Jewish people are, just as the Jewish people will. But right now it's a special time calling out Jew and Gentile, built upon the teachings of the apostles and the Tanakh that had come before. And indeed, God is doing something among us that only the prophets and angels could look into, but 
They couldn't understand until it took place. Well, the body of Christ was made up of Jews and uh, Gentiles, but to begin with, Jews. And I don't know if you've been around Jews, but they're just like Gentiles, only maybe a degree on steroids in the sense of being demonstrative. I've not uh, known a Jew ever, and I'm around uh, Jewish people as much as any Gentile I know. And I can tell you, uh, they speak with their hands. They speak with their face. They speak with their eyes. They speak with their ears. They speak with their feet. In other words, it's a whole body effort. Sometimes uh, they're just saying hello, and we in the West think they're arguing with one another, but they're just being kind and demonstrative in being kind. Because we don't know the language, it sounds like that they're coughing and spitting and so forth. They're just speaking the language of the Lord Jesus, and it sounds sometimes difficult and different to us, And but it's not at all. And it's uh, something that is like uh, music to many of our ears. But what I want to say to you is that... They get into it just like everybody else, and they have disagreements. Many have said where you have three Jews, you have five opinions. I'm not saying that being anti-Semitic. I'm not saying that in any bad way. I can say that because the Jewish people who know me know that I love them, and they're just like everybody else. They're fallen creatures just like us. They don't care to share their opinion with you, and all of that is good to me. It's not bad. That happened in the early church. It didn't take long for the people to get into it. Why? Because they're just like everybody else. You come to chapter 6. Remember, there were no chapter verse divisions in the early text. It was just a letter, a historical narrative. And it says, now in those days, this is Acts chapter 6, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the early church. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a murmuring. Isn't that amazing? You get more people together, more people. People say all the time, well, I, you know, I wish our church was larger. Well, what you're asking for, yes, blessing, yes, but you're also asking for more trouble because with people come trouble. We want the people. We just don't want the trouble that comes with it. But even the best of congregations have trouble. If you think there's a perfect congregation, you're silly. You're not thinking. You're daydreaming. It's not going to happen. There's no situation thing as a perfect congregation because there's no such thing as perfect people. And they're going to argue. But what we have to really remember is that just because somebody disagrees with us and someone contradicts us and someone doesn't go our way, that doesn't mean they're persecuting us. That doesn't mean that their character is bad. That doesn't mean that we have to diss them and be ugly to them. This happens in the church of Jesus all the time. If we can't win an argument on substance, we start tearing down people's character. Now, we see that in the political realm all the time. We see that in the world all the time outside the church. It doesn't need to be in the church. We need to love one another and not say just because somebody disagrees with us that they're out of the will of God and going to hell. That's a cruel and harsh way to look at life, and nobody wants to be around people like that. That's one reason why people don't want to go to church. That's not the main reason, but it is one reason. So we need to understand people are listening to us because there's going to be disagreements. We've got to learn how to disagree and still love one another. For the Lord's sake, it's the body of Christ. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, let's identify those two groups. The Hebrews, remember, 
were the natives. They were the people that lived in the Galilee, lived in Samaria. They lived in Judea. They lived in the environs of what we call the Holy Land. But the Jews had been scattered and dispersed around the world. They were the diaspora, just like there is a diaspora today than those who live in Israel. Well, the same was true then. And you remember in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, Moses told the people three times a year at uh, Pesach, at uh, Shavuot, at Sukkot, I want you to go and make Aliyah to Jerusalem, make your ascent to Jerusalem, and there have those appointed days, the Moed. And that's exactly what was happening. Remember, it was Pentecost, and this was the early summer Moed, the celebration, if you will, of the wheat harvest. The barley harvest had been at Pesach, at Passover. It was Pentecost. It was 50 days after the Passover. This was the day when the Jews celebrated the giving of the Torah at Sinai, 50 days after the Passover and unleavened bread. Now God had done something new again, and the Holy Spirit had come. The Hebrews were the people who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, and they had the customs of those who lived in the land. And then you had the Hellenists. The word Helen or Hellas refers to Greek. Greece and those who are Greek, not just in language, but they were in culture and basically philosophy, and they had a way of doing things that was different than those who had grown up in and around what we call the Holy Land. I don't call it Palestine during the days of Jesus, parenthetically, because there was no Palestine during the days of Jesus. It was not called Palestine at any time except for a hundred years after the resurrection of Jesus. So there's no such thing as a map or a timeline of Jesus and the apostles in Palestine because Palestine did not come around to the 130s under Hadrian, the Roman emperor who did that to spite the Jews and renamed the city of Jerusalem, Alia Capitolina, and he named it the whole country there, Palestinia, Syria. It was a horrible thing to do, but that's exactly why he did, because he's a horrible man. So the Hellenists were people who had been Greekized. They had become Greek in their culture and Greek in their thought and spoke Greek, uh, Koine Greek, common Greek. So when they came to Pentecost, they came, and many of them became followers of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. And they couldn't go back home because they'd be ostracized if they go back home. They'd be said about them what's said about Jews today. And it's amazing that a person who is an Israeli who is a Jew and lives in Israel or anywhere else in the world, when they become a Hindu, they don't cease to be a Jew. When they become an atheist, they don't cease to be a Jew. When they're an agnostic, they don't cease to be a Jew. When uh, they're Buddhist, they don't cease to be Jew. They're still Jew. They're just a, a Jewish Buddhist. They're a Hindu person who happens to be a Jew. But when you become a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden you're not a Jew anymore. Well, that's just uh, not true. You're still a Jew. You're as much a Jew as you've ever been. You are following a Jew 
who claimed to be the Messiah in word and in deed. And indeed, I believe without any hesitation, proved that indeed he is the Son of God in what he did, what he said, and in fulfilling the Tanakh and the prophecies about him. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Those of you who disagree with me, search the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, the writings, the Torah, the Ketuvim, and the Nebim, and you will see that Jesus, in so many ways, in every way, fulfilled the role of the Messiah because he is the Messiah. He was and he will be the Messiah. And so these Hellenists came for these three great festivals, and when they did, they'd come a long way. Some of them, this would be the only trip that they would come, and so they stayed. So they were there, and here were these Hebrews, these Aramaic and Hebrew-speaking, Hebrew-cultured Jews that lived in what we call the Holy Land, and so they were like the homesteaders and the foreigners. They didn't, even though they were Jews, they, it was like uh, deep Southerners and New Englanders. Uh, they don't always get along. They call one another rebels, and they call one another Yankees, and there's all kinds of things. When I was in uh, North Carolina, the mountains of North Carolina, we had people from South Florida that would come up. They were called snowbirds. They would come up in the spring of the year, and then they would stay till the color season. When the leaves fell off, they would go back south. We call them snowbirds. No birds. So uh, sometimes there was resentment by those in the high mountains of North Carolina and East Tennessee of the people that just lived there half of the year. And, and uh, then they'd go back and because they had different driving habits, because somebody would pull out and say, well, they're from Florida. Well, they might not be. Just look at the tag. And that's what they did. And so some of the people in the town where I pastored, they would put on the front of their car a North Carolina symbol and it'd be Tar Heel Blue or Wolfpack red and it have native on it and that was to say I am somebody that's from here same kind of thing and so these were arguing back and forth and of course those from outside were arguing about those who were there and they said these Hebrews are getting special treatment and it says that the murmuring was because the Hellenists said our widows are being neglected in the daily distribution in the distribution of food and of resources then the twelve that's the disciples summoned the multitude of uh, disciples together and said it's not desirable for those of us who are apostles to leave the word of God and serve tables, you know, the be the diaconoi, the deacons. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. That doesn't mean appoint over the business of the church, but this business of servitude, of being a deacon. Why? Because the apostles were busy founding a church, a movement, a worldwide movement that would change the history of the world. They didn't need to be caught up in these lesser matters, and that they were indeed lesser matters, important but lesser importance than the Word of God itself, because these men needed to be freed up to do what only they could do, that God had called them and gifted them to do, and they had lived their lives and given their lives doing. But it says, 
but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this saying pleased the whole multitude. And look what happened in verse 5. And they chose, after the apostles had given the qualifications, the type of men they're looking for, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, uh, Prochorus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now I want you to look through those names. Who was it that was making the accusations? Who was it that was disturbed? It was the Greek, the Hellenist. I want you to go through those names that I just read to you in verse 5 and find me one Hebrew name. You won't. They're all Greeks. Why? Because of the wisdom of the apostles and the wisdom of these wise men, they didn't choose people that were part of the Hebrew speaking, uh, the uh, localist. No, they got people of their own, the people that they knew, the people that they trusted, the people that they had a relationship with, that uh, spoke the same language, that with the same dialectos, the same dialect that they did, and said, you take care of these people. They're your own. They're your own relatives. They're your own brand of jewelry. When they set these men before the apostles, they prayed with them. They set them aside by laying hands on them. They identified with them and said, we comply with this. We compliment this. We condone this. We praise this. And the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests. Yes, the priests were obedient to the faith. That's amazing when you start doing things God's way, how God gets involved in it and starts blessing. We'll talk about deacons more in the next podcast of On the Way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.